Okay, just underneath us there. That is Fat Freddy's drop. That was a request. Texted in, and we got some love coming in for them on the text line. Some uh, some love there saying, yes, Fat Freddy's drop. Cure tunes, the finest. So we love that right there. You're listening to FBI Radio 94.5. My name is Lockie Lug, and I am so lucky to have in the studio with me right here our film lords, Jen and Andre. Sorry, there we go. Now we can hear you now a little you bit of technical Sorry, difficulty. Just, no, I'm that's my bad. Chatty. I'm always chatting in the background. I'm always chatting. I was just saying hi. That's lovely. Let's get the sting going. Here we go. Beautiful. Welcome to Movies, Movies, Movies. Oh, beautiful little start there, How isn't it? How did that sound to you, Lockie? First time playing a movie movie sting. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. I might just see if Jen, can we hear you there? Yeah, that was that like a little palate cleanse from Fat Freddy's Drop. It was a bit of a palate cleanse. Straight from Wormad. <laughs> <laughs> Straight from Wormad. <laughs> that's it. Wonderful. We can hear you clearly, so that's great. So, welcome. Thanks so much for coming in today, you two. Oh my what god, yes. What do we have coming up? What movies do we have? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just saying yes because I just realised that the film we're talking about, which is the new David Cronenberg, you know, spooky dooky, crafty sci-fi horror director. Fantastic Beasts and Crimes from the Future. All of it. I just saw that some of this film is in French. Jenny, um, I want to talk to you about oh. the gruesome trailer for David Cronenberg's new film. Oh my god, is that... Is that some background audio? That sounds like a plane going that's over, a yeah. Plane. <laughs> okay, that's just Jen Raw dogging the radio. Um, <laughs> for full discretion, I have a basic right of what's in the studio and in my backyard here. Wait for it, 10 p.m. So it's popping off this Monday morning. Everyone's traveling back home after a beautiful Easter weekend. Jen, you need to go inside because your audio is totally caca. Can you head inside? And it's go really caca. Now you're jumping in. Okay, no. Um, when, when you lean in, it's perfect. Yeah. That's okay, I'll lean right in and get close to my road USB. Lean right into it. it. Okay, Lockie, now that you've had a tiny tasting platter of movies, 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 yeah. you now we're here. Do you want to dive into the sting for movie news? Because I want to talk about David Cronenberg's stat. All right, let's do it right now. That's gossip. Movie news. That's gossip. So we're talking today very spontaneously about something that I've just discovered, which is the new David Cronenberg film starring Kay Stew. Uh, okay, logline for David Cronenberg. Puppet master, homemade, very, very video art-centric, but all Beautiful. done with um, available ingredients. Horror director from Canada, as you all know, Canadian cinema is where it's at. And he's snatched Kay Stew to be in his next film, which is called Crimes of the Future. And... From what it looks like in this cheeky trailer that just dropped is that it's giving surgery, it's giving rave, it's kind of borderline matrix, and I think Viggo Mortensen's in there. But Jenny, what I want to know from you is how does one get obsessed with David Cronenberg? Because I feel like I've been trying and trying and trying, and I haven't quite nailed the Cronenberg obsession. There's just another plane going. So <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> Perfect okay, timing. I'll, I'll just keep going. Um, so, this is kind of controversial because I feel like if you're going to like a Cronenberg, Cronenberg is kind of just like the more sci-fi Tim Burton of, yeah, the, right. um, of a former gen. My thing is that I loved his Hollywood comedy parody fest, Maps to the Stars. Maps to the Stars which, with me, I thought, Canberran. Canberran and Canadians Unite. Unite, which came out in 2014. And we've had a little break from Cronenberg, and now he's back with a real capital S sci-fi. I guess... Do you know what? The first Cronenberg I ever saw, Andre, sorry to cut you off, is um, that scene in the history of violence where the couple are having a domestic and then they have sex on the stairs. Oh my god, bless her. Do you remember that scene that with Viggo Mortensen? And Viggo Mortensen's back in this one. Are we allowed to talk that. about Viggo? Is Viggo like a safe person to talk about? I don't know at this point. We can talk about Viggo, but we also have to talk about Laissez Du because I feel like if we're talking about sex on stairs, we need to talk about Laissez Du because honestly, I cannot get out of my head blue is almost colour and she has a lot of sex in that. But <laughs> Jenny, I want to ask you, I want an answer. How does one get into David Cronenberg um, if I were to pitch it to someone? of this day and age, how would you sell Crimes of the Future? Because it feels a bit like it, we've kind of moved on from a Cronenberg era. We no longer have this auteur in our mind. Um, now we just want, I feel like everyone just wants Riverdale or something. <laughs> I feel like Cronenberg's kind of back, like in a way that Charlie XCX named an album after Crash, which is his best movie about people who, you know, get their sex and get their kicks from car accidents and disfiguring wow. their bodies. I think that Cronenberg is having a moment that's not like Jodorowsky. I feel like Jodorowsky keeps coming back with these poetic autobiographical monoliths that absolutely no one except outside of my friends at beautiful Happy Herb Shop want to see. But Cronenberg still is kind of like a finger on the pulse. And I mean, if I if I could recommend a song, I know we've already done a recommends, but it's the Aronofsky method because I think that could obviously be the Cronenberg me- method. Mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We can make totally, that happen. Totally, yeah. totally, totally. Yeah, I fully know what you mean. I feel like there's, I feel like even though no one ever asked for a Cronenberg, there's always space for it to come in and no one's ever complaining when there's a new one. I guess I just, uh, I, I want to know what the jazz is because so much, there's, there's fanfare around him. But in the same way that there's fanfare around like Terrence Malick, I'm almost kind of like, maybe I've moved on from these dad directors. And even though they, they had a heyday back in the day and people are still clinging to that, I, I honestly just, uh, it just kind of feels like it's either that or the next emerging A24 horror film director. Well, exactly. And I was just going to say, I feel like while this plane goes over, you <laughs> Jen, go inside. Well, I'm surprised. Why are you outside? <laughs> York was dragging one of the A24, like, Cronenberg knockoffs, Robert Eggers, this week. Not really dragging. I mean, I think she was grateful to be in his film, and I think she does put herself up famously for these male directors to kind of put herself in that space and maybe offer an antidote to the abject violence that they have on offer. Mm. But I loved at the end of her little Instagram post about... This is Robert your talk, this is your talking about, yeah. I, I'm getting there. You don't okay, need okay, to sorry. Um, talking about the Northman, she went to the Icelandic premiere of this sort of Viking era movie that stars Nicole Kidman as well. And she talks about how she thinks that this should be an encouragement for female directors to take on this period and that there's a humble hope that her partaking in this has planted a seed that may grow in that direction. And then she says, I summon that tree, which is so nice. It's so nice, especially because um, she was summoning that tree in 1990 when she was making the juniper tree. Um, the juniper tree, honey, that hole in the heart. <laughs> I know, and I feel like, um, and forgive me for butchering the name, but the director of that film, Nitschka Keen, 
um, made this beautiful film. A light niche cocaine. A light niche cocaine made this beautiful film that featured Young Bjork and never kind wow. of got her her, right, her her claim to fame. It, it was always mm. just this kind of alt art house alternative. But. Um, Nishka Keen famously took a bit of a Kelly Reichardt route to making feature films, which is a route that a lot of like our favorite film directors take, which is just going to uni and making a film as like a master's or PhD project. Absolutely. I mean, the University of Wisconsin-Madison is literally the way to make a film if you're in North America. I, I have, I, I hold out hope. It's almost kind of like, I feel like the Cronenberg news and also the Bjork news kind of points to this sort of... Uh, need to kind of zhuzh it up and jazz it up and you know get some um get some new genre filmmakers out there and maybe they're them and maybe they're from uni speaking of old genre filmmakers though everyone's rumoring that david lynch is going to debut a pilot episode of his new show wisteria at Cannes. Mm. but he's wow. it. why do i feel like this gossip has been going around for years like, <laughs> wisteria the wisteria line and the wisteria plot it's just been like bouncing back and forth back and forth I honestly want it just to happen this year so we can get it over and done with because I'm sick of hearing about it. Okay, Daddy Horror, should we move on? Yeah, let's move on. Let's do you want your, do you want your request, Azealia Banks? Yeah, let's do Azealia Banks. Uh, let's kick it off. Let's do it. Oh, we want to skip this little ad though. First. Jeez. <laughs> and then we'll jump on into it. But you two are incredibly knowledgeable, I must say. I'm learning a lot. Yeah, you listen to movies, movies, movies. And here we What's go. Your this is Azealia Banks. <laughs> <laughs> Paranormal Activity. No, I'm joking. Not that one. That's a good one. Paranormal Activity. What was that joke? That Paranormal Activity 2. All right, all right, all right. We are back in. Just there. That was Azealia Banks with Idol Delilah. And you're joined here today with our film lords, Jen and Andre, with Movies, Movies, Movies on FBI Radio 94.5. Now... Jen, I want to throw it to you. I heard that you have a bee sting. Is that correct? I got a bee sting. Oh, I got a bee no. sting on the top of my toe. Ouch. Spent all day editing yesterday, and then I went to go out at 10 p.m. and a little cheeky bee sat on my toe. And I'm mildly allergic. I say I'm allergic, and people like you okay, and they freak out. But yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you were actually, okay. You, you were surprisingly chill about it. I remember it happening. You just went. And it's like you swallowed the pain and then just let it slide, and then you just went. I got a bee sting. So stoic. So stoic. I love pain. You love pain. <laughs> well, I hope you're okay. But you sound okay. You sound very knowledgeable. And we've got... Jen's wearing a Scotland, <laughs> Jen's wearing a Scotland cap right now. A Scotland cap. Yeah, the bee sting actually made me into a, a, a full-blown genius. I'm <laughs> through the roof now. Your wisdom. Oh, my well, God. It's kind of like Spider, shit, Spider-Man, but, but bee person. As my toe. <laughs> Great. Well, now we have take two, I yeah. believe. So why don't we hit the sting? Yeah, go ahead. Take two. Great. What What do you two have for us today? Jen and I were just discussing whether we should do the um the Thai uh, South American art house film, which might yield long conversation, or the cockbuster comedy Lost City, which is uh, the Sandra Bullock flick. And we don't know which one should go first, but I think we should probably let's do Memoria first, Jen. How do you feel about that? Yeah, cute. I mean, they're both jungle adventures. I feel like we can just talk about both of them at the same time. Exactly. Lucky, do you they're have this? Yeah, I sure do. Put okay. on some memoria. Yeah, this is um, this is a shout out to everyone that went out last night and wants a bit of slow cinema. <laughs> Great. This is a little clip from the trailer. It's um, it's it's like a rumble from the core of the earth. And, and then, then it shrinks. 
Wow. So. Great audio. Oh, we're going for round two. We just stopped that one off there. Mm. Yeah, it's delicious. It is delicious. It's so Mika, but not Mika. Jenny, um, can we pull over to you, Jen, to hear your take on Memorial? Yeah, I think it is for people who went out last night. It's like if you are oversleeping in your own bed, you can just go sleep at the cinema instead. I find personally grass kind of itchy, so I don't really like sleeping in parks. But <laughs> there's actually not that many affordable places that you can go and have a nap. You know what I mean? I mean, I think if we actually thought about it, we think of a few. But in Memorial, Tilda Swinton goes kind of full disassociative. It's her first out and proud non-binary role, I would say. And wandering into the forest of Columbia, trying to find a Swedish fridge and this really loud, bassy sound that she's become completely addicted to. It's queer Thai art film at Pitchfong Wears Ethical's first English language. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you said it. Film, but it's also, you know, in Spanish. And he wants you to fall into a beautiful deep sleep. And it feels a bit like a cult object because it's not going to ever be available outside of its meandering cinema release. So you have to go gag the house down at Randall Gritz or Dendi. It also houses the oldest known recorded sounds in this like, and this like haptic artwork made out of a blender. So it's worth seeing for that. At one point after spending a day at the university that Tilda works as like an orchid virus expert, um, that this university also actually looks rewarding to be at. Tilda walks into this gallery of monochrome paintings depicting homoerotic aliens and she takes a photo. And I took a photo of her taking a photo because it did feel like, oh my God, this film's not going to be available on my laptop. I can't get this on DVD. I have to actually be in this space to pirate it myself. I can't just pirate bay this, you know what I mean? <laughs> and Andre, I just wanted to ask you, when you first saw Memoria, you called Joe a sellout. You talked to Nishen from um, Sydney Film Festival, and you said that the pitch pong is now a mainstream hack and a fraud. How did you feel seeing it in 2022? Yeah, it's so interesting because I keep having conversations to elaborate on what you're saying, Jen. Um, Memoria is got an, it's got an A-lister, it's got an Oscar winner, it's definitely got neon distribution behind it, so it's uh, quote-unquote a big-ish movie for this uh, low-key film festival mm. nerd who's been going about for 20 years and making his films mostly in native Thailand. Um, but even when I try and describe how much, how much poppier, how much more pop, how much more pop poppier <laughs> this film is compared to his other works, um, people will disagree with me, and they won't they won't buy that this is actually a mainstream film, even though, you know, um, Tilda is a huge, recognizable envy uh, mm-hmm. working the Hollywood game. Um, but watching it a second time round, I kind of sat with it more as, I hate to use the G word, but as a genre film. And kind of bought into it, like you said, Jen, as as like a kind of like one-off totem that just exists for the sake of existing and seeing in a cinema. And I let it kind of wash over me. And I rejected this idea that it had to be this alienating art film and this sort of alternative, um, abstract thing that confuses and obfuscates. And just let it be what I said at the start, which is that it's Mika Levy, but not Mika Levy. So it's world building. It's world building, and uh, sometimes that's okay. And sometimes we're allowed to just like sit in a world and like let it exist in a way that makes sense. And <laughs> I feel like for so long I was pushing to not let this make sense, and then I was outside of the Sydney Film Festival. I wasn't seeing it at the State Theatre. I was just in the commercial capital D Dendi with a <laughs> bucket of popcorn with my roomies watching this, thinking, you know what? It's okay to call out pop in a beautiful art film. That's okay. And then also to go back, I think yeah. Memoria is like one of those, it's pop in a way that you'll 
like I'll probably go see it anytime it's screening anywhere in the world for the rest of my life because that's the only way you'll be able to see it. And I can mark when I first saw it to now and I can see this kind of like lunar calendar change in my life from when I first saw it and how it made me feel to now. Like it's got this like really powerful resonant lucid dreaming effect that makes you feel like meditative for like two and a half hours and really like clear out some of those TikTok cobwebs, you know what I mean? Totally, totally, totally. Yeah, I totally feel you. Sounds beautiful. I also um wanted to go back on to you, Jen, filming inside the cinema. There is such a culture in Thailand of people whacking out like a DSLR and filming a screen to pirate movies. And mm. obviously when you're, um, you know, in Bangkok trying to buy pirated DVDs and you find a pirated film that's just been filmed inside inside a cinema, it's so cringe and frustrating and horrible and ugly and very rare. So, wait, let me do pass for one second. Wait, let me just do this. the air traffic again. <laughs> but it's actually, but it's so beautiful to think that you were watching this picture pong film and then filming it on your little iPhone and thinking, wow, we've actually come full circle in that you'd have to pirate this movie the way that pirating has always happened. You, you're going to have to get out of the camera inside the cinema to be able to show this film outside of outside of a DVD because it's just not going to exist in a physical form. Well, mm. I don't care about like arguments about digital and film and you know cinema versus home cinema, but this film really re-engaged me with that conversation almost accidentally. I mean, I know it's not an accident, but I was like, oh, shit, like everything is a reproduction. Like if you're watching something on your TV, it's a reproduction of a work that's actually supposed to be displayed with like Dolby Atmos and, oh, this actually makes sense now. Like just because someone's filming it with the JVC, it's still not the OG. It's not the OG premiere even. It's, I even think about like seeing the Northman outside of the premiere in Iceland is even a reproduction totally. and even not the mm. original intended experience. It's all performance. It's all one-off performance. It's all improv. It's immaterial. But, um... I had um one last thing I want to say is um one last thing one last thing one last thing reproduction, the whole movie is about Tilda trying to find a way to reproduce this sound that's haunting her, mm. and mm. one thing that I really want to like share and cheerlead about this film is that it's so satisfying to see a character trying to nail a thought and trying to describe something that's inside of them and trying to like burst it out and not quite getting there and just trying 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 yeah. like I love the search for the idea and the failing and the flop and then the try again and then the break up with the yeah. flop and then oh, it's exhausting and uh, realistic. I also just feel like this film is about a picture poem having like an overseas romance and chasing an intuitive feeling rather than something based on like language or anything. Mm. Anyway, we talked about Memoria for a long time. Yeah. Go see Memoria. It's probably only going to be in cinemas for a couple more days now. So true, I true. would recommend The Ritz. The Ritz was way better than what I heard Andre's experience at Dendi was. Should we go for a song break and then come back and... Yeah, let's city? do it. Great. Cool, so that, that movie there was called Memoria. Make sure to go and check it out. I'm going to play you a track. This one is by Horse Magaya. It's called Flex. Flexi. Out of Nam. FBI Radio. Hello? Hey, 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 hey. Uh, we are going to finish off the show with a little chit-chat about Lost City, which I want to keep calling Lost City of D, which was the OG title, but um, right. I dropped the D for some reason. Uh, <laughs> so instead, it's just Lost City and uh, play the trailer. I mean, we yeah. don't see any D in the movie. You don't see any D. <laughs> no you D. should see D. There is a D scene, but we'll get to that in the review. Play the trailer. Okay, trailer, here we go. You led me straight to the Lost City. Now, prepare to die. There are just hundreds of snakes in this temple just waiting for us to show up. What? Why aren't they biting that guy? This is ridiculous. Delete. 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 
Oh my god, I never knew that I needed like a Lara Croft temple run as much as I needed this Lara Croft so temple true. run. So uh, true. But basically the context is, um, while America went to Coachella this weekend, I, and by I, I mean first person plural pronoun meaning me, Jen, <laughs> and our friend third Freya. So we went to Blacktown Drive-In, first time for me, reversed a 4WD, laid out on blankets, tuned the radio to 92 point. Uh, as not the know. only first for you, honey. Not the only first. <laughs> um, you also had a naked zinger box. So. I had a naked zinger box. We were eating KFC without a bucket, and we um <laughs> we enjoyed the Lost City, which is just this movie written by four guys, directed by two boys, and has Sandra Bullock bossing over everyone as star and EP. And this is actually important because the Lost City is. And this is based on an article that I haven't read, but I saw a headline, an $80 million experiment where they wanted to cast Shining Tatum and Sandra Bullock, who are the two most like bankable muscle jocks in Whole Hole, yeah. in a comedy that actually just works their dramatic chops. Like, I don't think the point of this film is to have knockout lines and mm. on-point comedy. I think it's actually just... Uh, I think the lull, and like the lull, the, the hook is comedy, but it's actually just an excuse for them to you know, have a supporting cast of uh, crazy emerging queer uh, actors punch up their lives and uh, give Channing and Sandra a reason to to travel. Because this is a travel film about a bitter writer who's kidnapped by short prince Daniel Radcliffe to discover an abandoned city, all shot in the Dominican Republic. Probably the most fun anyone had during COVID lockdown. <laughs> and... I know, Jen, that this film has Divine, and it has Patty, and it has Bowen, mm, our favourite supporting uh, heroes in the X-Men, but for me, it's all Sandra Bullock. She kind of hooked me and hypnotised me. Bullock. Bullock. Because <laughs> she, she ain't dead, and that's hardly a statement on actress age, but rather her choice of roles. I mean, she's done, like, bus driver hurling highway bound in speed, death-defying apophenia tea leaves reading Ghost Whisperer and Premonition, spaceship exploding astronaut in gravity. There's that rugby one as well. Stealth bimbo with a gun in Miss Congeniality Part 2. So, basically, The Lost City is just a funny excuse to get Patty, Divine, and Bowen, and all of them into a blockbuster, which is actually a romantic comedy about forced travel. Okay, so, one last thing about Sandra. Where has she been for the past few years? I feel as if she's been a permanent A-lister parent to so many kids. <laughs> she's triggering my mommy issues like a comforter in the background of my life. I see her traveling. I see her doing well. We are, in the most unflattering ways, all daughters of Sandra Bullock. <laughs> I just never thought you'd call this movie experimental cinema. Like, what part of putting a bunch of A-listers in a movie isn't ever I, I don't know anyway well, in... but this movie felt a bit like memoria in that it was <laughs> not that funny and it was just a bunch of people playing themselves wandering around the jungle i i take back experimental and i would rather say it's an experiment in that i i genuinely believe that this film wasn't meant to be the most hard-hitting comedy it was just meant to be a reason for shannon and sandra to like play with their act acting chops and kind of expand yeah. their view of performance um, because I, buy, I do, I do buy um, the dynamic. I do prefer plot lines that are about like, uh, you know, quests and and schemes rather than like superpowers. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Like, was... I really, truly don't want to see another superhero f- as long as I live. Yeah, it was kind of comforting how un-superhero this movie was. Um, and that's and it was quite queer, like, in a, in a genuine way. Like, I love that so much of it was about Divine Rudolph just, like, uh, was it, like, why do they call her? Yeah, it's anyway, divine, yeah. Just, like, yeah, it's divi- Divine just, like, freaking out about the book tour and mm. getting on a plane and talking about how hard it is to be a girl boss. <laughs> oh, God, I know. Divine in a blazer on a yacht trying to get to the Dominican Republic is so cute. Um, yeah, I really want to see the supercut of this film where there's no Shanning and no Sandra and it's just the supporting cast. Um, it's just... When, Patty didn't get to really get into the jungle. I know. That pa- was a wasted opportunity. <laughs> I know, Patty... We lived for Patty Harrison. And if you live for Patty Harrison, you obviously live for the thing that actually made me... Because obviously I had such a comforting time during The Lost City of D. It was gorgeous. It was easy. It was effortless. But I probably didn't really laugh that much. Mm-mm. But laughing, I did laugh at Seek Treatment's Kat Cohen's comedy special. And I showed my mum and she... Literally died. I don't think I've ever seen anyone laugh harder at anything ever. So I'm just, if you can't afford to get to Blacktown Drive-In, just go on go watch someone Netflix, else's Netflix account. <laughs> go on someone else's Netflix account and stream The Twist. She's gorgeous. I know, I know. I'm going to call this movie experimental because it's easy. And honestly, when a blockbuster is easy, it's an experiment. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, look, thank you two so much for coming on board. Yeah. Was yeah. there any more, anything else you wanted to chat about? Before you jumped off, honestly, we're going to talk honestly, about. Honestly, I did want to talk about Serena Chowdhury's yeah, yeah, Cena gonna... from and just like that and Mississippi Masala, but like we're one minute late. Maybe another show. I think another show talking about the Criterion Closet that we just. We got to wrap it up it's <laughs> next one week. We got to bounce, well, but um, look, yeah, thanks so much for coming, Jenny. Props to us for doing this across screens and across different lines and under some airplane paths as well. <laughs> fly path, everyone. Thank you. <laughs> that was babe. Jen and Andre right there Bye, with Temple. movies, movies, movies. They were talking about Memoria and The Lost City. Make sure to go and check it out. They'll be back next week on Monday with Maya Billick, so be sure to check them out there. Thank you two so much once again. Cheers. Great, and we're going to leave you on, I think, another request from you two. It uh, is... The song is Pierre. Oh, hold up, hold up. Yeah, hold yeah. Hold do up. you want to say something? Jen, about this you got to intro this song. Yeah. What is the background to this request? Well, we were quoting Bjork's um, Icelandic premiere review of The Northman, and... She sort of chastised the film for being so much about war, but loved the sections were that were like helmed by this beautiful post-punk Icelandic band from the nineties or eighties. I can't remember. Mm, post-punk Icelandic band. My nipples are hard. <laughs> Let's do it. Sounds great. FBI Radio ninety four point five. This podcast is produced by FBI Radio in Sydney. Find more at fbiradio.com slash podcasts.